Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. Live from our WSBT Radio studios in downtown South Bend. Let's go! Come on! Ah! Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. Wow, don't blink. A lot of major intestinal fortitude going on here. On your home for Notre Dame football. Knocked down by Wooden. The game is over. The Irish has upset Florida State. Notre Dame is number one. And Notre Dame basketball. Everyone ranked UCLA Bruins have been upset by the Irish of Notre Dame. Good! Alike Ogunbowale wins the national championship for Notre Dame. Plus fighting Irish hockey. They score! Jake Evans scores! Notre Dame 3.7 seconds away from a spot in the national championship game. The NFL and Major League Baseball. Oh my gracious, how about that? Sports Radio 960 WSBT, WSBTradio.com, the free WSBT radio app. Big time budgets. Now here's your host, seven-time Associated Press Broadcasting Award winner, Darren Pritchett. Well, it's a victory Monday here on Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat on your home of the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame, Sports Radio 960, WSBT. I think at halftime of Saturday's game, I imagine the conversation today being a whole lot different than the one we might have on this Monday, November the 14th of 2022. Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat, broadcasting live from our studios in downtown South Bend, Indiana, with a little snow on the ground. My name is Darren Pritchett. Thank you so much for spending a portion of your Monday with me as we broadcast live on 960 AM WSBT. That live stream available at WSBTradio.com and our free WSBT radio app. Also, we have our video stream up and rolling once again you can watch the show as it happens just by going to twitch it's a free app just go to twitch.com and once you have the app all you have to do is search sports radio 960 wsbt we have a little different camera angle than we had to start our new venture so here i am it's all you get sorry Not exactly a model to look at, but I'm here to talk some football with you, and it's great to have you with us on this Monday following Notre Dame defeating Navy 35-32 in Baltimore on Saturday, a game that had a lot of twists and turns, not what we expected in the second half, as Notre Dame did whatever they wanted offensively 
in the first half against Navy, and then the same Notre Dame offense could hardly pick up a yard in the second half against the midshipmen. So we'll obviously talk about that aspect of the game over the next two hours. Tyler Horka was live at the game in Baltimore covering the game for Blue and Gold Illustrated. Read Tyler's work at blueandgold.com. He also co-hosted Game Day Sportsbeat live from Baltimore on Saturday. He'll join me at the bottom of the hour to offer his perspective on the three-point win by the Fighting Irish. We'll hand out some game balls from Notre Dame's win over Navy. We'll talk about the Irish defense, although I'm not as eager to talk about that as the offense. This was that triple option game that's a little different than everything else. I'm not sure there's as many reasons to get all worked up about that side of the ball, considering what lies ahead for Notre Dame. Yes, you want to be more efficient, more execution, shut down that triple option attack, and when they throw it, you want to be able to not give up big plays. But I'm not going to necessarily just go all in on that conversation because I think big picture against non-triple option teams, this defense has been heading in a good direction. Offensively, wow, it's just a head-scratcher how those two halves of football could be so different. Also coming up, we'll have our Twitter question of the day. We'll recap a question from Friday, an instant reaction Twitter question after the game on Saturday, and then unveil today's Twitter question of the day. It's actually already up on my Twitter account if you'd like to vote on Twitter at 960SportsBeat, and it ties into what we're going to talk about in this opening segment. We've also got some sports wagering conversation to get to at the end of the hour. Then at 7 o'clock, it is Caveman Corner here on WSBT Radio, a look inside of Mishawaka High School Athletics. Congratulations, Coach Kinder and the Caveman football team. Unbelievable season, 10-2, and two, came up short against Snyder in the regional on Friday, but a wonderful season and a great team to follow. And now we'll start transitioning to Mishawaka Caveman basketball and a brand-new era with a brand-new head coach. And then following Caveman Corner at 7.30, we have coverage of Monday Night Football from Westwood One. The Washington Commanders taking on the undefeated Philadelphia Eagles in the city of brotherly love. As we really get this show started at this particular moment, just a quick second. Uh, Condolences to the families, friends, the Virginia football team, the entire Virginia family for the horrific loss of life in shootings over the weekend in which three football players were killed. They have someone in custody, apparently a former football player going back to 2018. Just I can't imagine what players, coaches, family, friends are going through right now. So we are thinking about that Virginia football program as we talk about a football game in Baltimore I guess the details don't seem as important once you read stories like this but we're here to talk sports we're here to entertain we're here to offer a couple of thoughts you might yell back at the radio which is kind of the fun of this whole conversation as we kick around some ideas and try to have some fun and talk about a game that we love college football and by the way Notre Dame will wrap up their home schedule this Saturday 2:30 kickoff against the Boston College Eagles who stunned North Carolina State in Raleigh to move to 3 and 7 with a 21-20 victory over the Wolfpack on Saturday so we'll have the game for you here on WSBT Radio at 2:30 
And that means that Tyler and I will have game day sports beat live from Notre Dame Stadium from 11 until 1.30 on Saturday. The first pitch of the first pitch of the night. And we are ready for the first pitch. Into the windup in his first offering. Just a bit outside. He tried the corner and missed. A couple of things right off the bat. First off, some breaking news that I want to get to that involves possibly the future of this Notre Dame football program. A young man by the name of Kevin Minchie. A four-star quarterback in the class of 2023 this afternoon on social media announced he was decommitting from Pat Narduzzi and the Pittsburgh Panthers football program. So that puts a high-end quarterback back into the recruiting cycle for 2023. You might know as an Irish fan that Notre Dame is still trying to acquire a quarterback in the 23 class. They have one for 2024 in the four-star from Michigan, C.J. Carr, who apparently is going to stay in the 24 class and not move ahead a year and get here a year earlier. So Kevin Minchie is a name that has now popped up once again on Notre Dame radars. He was actually offered by the Irish over the summer, July 30th, unofficial visit, according to On3.com, on August the 6th. Now, Minchie is from Hendersonville, Tennessee. His high school, the same as former Irish wide receiver Golden Tate. During this process of being a commitment from Pittsburgh, he was offered by his home state, Tennessee football program. We know all about that volunteer offense, but... Picked Pittsburgh and now apparently is back on the Notre Dame radar. Mike Singer, Notre Dame football recruiting insider at Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. He is reporting this afternoon. He is hearing that Minchie will be in South Bend for the Boston College game this Saturday. And there seems to be the thought that Minchie ultimately at some point over the next couple of weeks before the National Signing Day in December, he'll pick Notre Dame. In fact, On3.com, their form of their crystal ball prediction, has Kevin Minchie picking the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame. He's got a 4.78 40-yard dash according to On3 and a timing that took place before his senior year. Pretty good athlete. Strong arm. And a guy, according to Pittsburgh Sports Now, their publication reported earlier this year that Minchie had planned on being an early enrollee at Pittsburgh. Well, if you're going to do that at Pittsburgh, why not do it at the University of Notre Dame? So that could be in play. You could, next spring, have Tyler Buckner, hopefully recovered from his shoulder surgery, Drew Pine can come back after starting the last nine or ten games of this year. You add a freshman to the mix, and then we still leave the door open for a grad transfer to join this Irish football program, which to me is just as important as picking up a quarterback in this 23 cycle. 
You can't just bank on everybody getting better on the roster to the point where you have a championship-level quarterback. As of right now, I think it is fair to say Drew Pine doesn't fall into that category. Not everybody's a championship-level quarterback. Tyler Buckner, we have not seen enough of him to fully label him. But I would say at this point we have to be careful in putting him into that category. If you can find the right fit, you need a quarterback that can be a difference maker so Notre Dame would have a chance to get back into the playoff push in 2023. And who knows? Kevin Minchie could factor in somehow, some way to this program over the next few years. So again, Kevin Minchie, four-star quarterback recruit, 23 class. He's 6'1", 200 pounds, decommitted from Pittsburgh today on three reporting, as is Mike Singer from blueandgold.com. The vibe is Minchie will be in South Bend for the game this weekend and ultimately on three believes he will commit to the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame. Mike will join me for his regular visit tomorrow at 6.15 here on Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat, and we'll get more analysis from Mike on this developing story. So that is the breaking news this afternoon. Now we talk a little bit about the Notre Dame-Navy game on Saturday in Baltimore. The Irish were up 35-13 at halftime. They were absolutely just doing whatever they wanted against that Navy defense over the first 30 minutes, and then everything changed. I mean, what a dramatic change. Navy scores 19 unanswered points in the second half, closed to within 35-32. Matt Salerno saves the day. He recovers an onside kick. If Navy recovers it, they have a chance to tie the game with a field goal or stun the Irish with a touchdown, and they were throwing it okay. Six for 13 for Navy is actually not bad. For that triple option team, they try to make big plays out of their completions. They're not looking for passes into the flat. They're looking to do damage down the field. Well, this Fighting Irish offense, you take a look at the first half, 19 carries, 88 yards, 234 passing yards in the first half for Drew Pine. They were 5 of 7 on third downs. You put up 35 points, almost, it felt like, without breaking a sweat in the first half. Drew Pine was featured in all five touchdowns, four passing and a rushing touchdown for Drew Pine. But then for some reason, we had this halftime thing. Why? Why couldn't we just keep playing? Because halftime represented unofficially a change in the game as Navy went on that long 10-minute drive to start the third quarter. Only got a field goal, but wow, what a different vibe to the game at that point. And Notre Dame in the second half, 12 yards of total offense on 20 plays. Five sacks just absolutely halted the Fighting Irish offense. They couldn't run it at will. The all-out pressure brought by Navy that Notre Dame had answers four times in the first half. Zero answers in the second half. Bizarre, bizarre change in the game. Fighting Irish head coach, Marcus Freeman, after the game in Baltimore on Saturday, was asked about the play 
of his offense in the second half against the midshipmen. Yeah, I, I kind of challenged our offense a little bit. I wanted to see us be able to run the ball. And, and uh, you know, it's hard. They were zero pressuring almost every play. And what does that mean is they're bringing everybody and playing zero coverage, no middle-of-the-field help. Um, and we have to be able to find ways to attack that. We did in the first half. We hit some balls, and, and we um, were able to check to some things, and we saw it coming. But the second half, we were just not able to beat um, zero pressure. And, uh, you know, that's something that we got to improve at because other teams are going to do that. You know, people are going to see they had some success in bringing all-out pressure. And what you have to do is, is make defenses pay in the pass game. It's hard to run against all-out pressure, you know, but in the pass game, you have to make them pay. And it wasn't that Drew wasn't hitting the target as much as we didn't have time. And so we got to, you know, we got to make sure we try to protect. And then if they're bringing one more than we have to protect, we got to get the ball out of our hands and, and, and hit some hot routes. Well, you heard Marcus there toward the end say, not every time Drew had the time necessary to deliver the football. Zero pressure. You've got man coverage everywhere. No safety help. It is an opportunity for a wide receiver to win a one-on-one -on -one battle and if you can get separation and the ball is thrown accurately, you can destroy zero coverage. The defense has taken a chance, and it's the offense's obligation to make them pay. Navy did not pay any tolls in the second half. They controlled the game, and there were no answers from a Notre Dame standpoint. Earlier today, during his Tuesday press conference, heard live on WSBT Radio at noon, Coach Freeman offered a few more details on the Notre Dame offense not defeating that Navy pressure in the second half. Yeah, it, was, it, it, it wasn't as much run a different play as much as really executing. You know, we, we, we missed a block in protection, you know, which ended up being a sack. We set the protection maybe the wrong way one time where there's nobody there to protect for you. Um, we miss Mayer on an open throw, uh, you know, and, and so those things all, you know, accumulate to not having success versus those pressures. Uh, you know, Drew's got to get the ball out of his hands, but uh, and we got to help him get his, the ball out of his hands. we got to eliminate some options and say, hey, man, if you get all out pressure, throw the ball here. Don't go one to two, just go to one. And uh, that could help him too. So there was a couple different things we kind of addressed as a staff yesterday. And, and where was the lack of execution? It, it really wasn't. The, the play calling in the second half was no different than the first, first half. We were just able to hit him. You know, we were able to protect better. We were able to get the ball out of our hand. We were able to make sure that um, our guys exactly where they were supposed to be. Uh, the lack of execution, you got to look, look at yourself as a head coach and, and why, you know, if the play calls were similar, um, you know, what they were doing in terms of bringing all out pressure uh, was similar in the second half. Why didn't we execute the way we did in the first half? And um, I look at myself and say, hey, did we? Were they not mentally prepared to go out there and continue to attack? Because That's hard to believe that was the case. Missetting miss a protection in the second half. Miss blocks in protection. Michael Mayer was 
pretty much wide open for a walk-in touchdown. The ball was overthrown. There's a lot of things that go into the difficulties in the second half. Now, Marcus says there were no issues with play calling in the second half, despite 20 plays for 12 yards. I did take issue with something that occurred in the TV broadcast. Dan Orlovsky, who I believe is one of the four best college football analysts, my big four, guys that you learn by listening to them in the broadcast. They point out things that average Joes just don't see. So I love listening to Orlovsky. Greg McElroy, I believe, is the best. I think Gary Danielson on CBS, Kirk Herbstreet on ESPN ABC, both provide really, really good analysis. And it's enough for the average fan to learn something. If you're deep into the X's and O's, I think you can learn a little bit more as well. But I think Dan does a really, really good job. But I thought he was off the mark in this game. In the second half, when he made the comment discussing zero pressure, quote, Drew Pine doesn't know what he's doing, end quote. I think that's a little harsh. I think that comment was unnecessary. I think there were multiple factors that went into the struggles. Did Drew Pine miss a couple of throws and hold the ball too long? Yes, sir. Yes, he did. But not all of the difficulties against zero pressure was Drew Pine. So for a really good broadcaster to say Drew Pine doesn't know what he is doing, that's very, very harsh when a quarterback himself knows it's not always on the quarterback. You need people doing their jobs around you. And you're saying this about a guy that accounted for five touchdowns in the first half. So he was brilliant in the first half and then became dumb all of a sudden in the second half. I just don't think that's fair. I think we're so used to at least growing up, me learning about the media. You're not overly critical of a college athlete. NFL, different story. It's their job. But the criticism should not be as harsh on a college kid. Now, maybe that's changed with NILs. I've had that written to me today on Twitter. And you know what? That's a great point. Maybe that has changed things. Just the way I was taught, you're not going to embarrass a kid at the college level. If you want to go that route with an NFL person, that is their job. I'm okay with that. And I'm okay with criticism of a college player, but to say he doesn't know what he's doing, that to me, I think, went over the line. And I think Dan, who is a big Tommy Reese fan, He even admitted it during the game. I love this guy. And he goes out of his way on Twitter to say all these great things about Tommy Reese. It just felt like to me, knowing that he was protecting his guy and he threw Pine under the bus, which I think was totally unnecessary, unfair, and unprofessional. I think he could have handled that in a different way with a different way of saying it. Saying, hey, he held the ball too long. He missed this throw. I'm okay with that, but... To say nothing else mattered to the offense that Drew Pine doesn't know what he is doing, that's just not a good look. From a guy who played in the NFL, who understands the game. Again, I love listening to him break down games, but I thought he went a step too far in his criticism of Drew Pine. And maybe it's because I follow him on Twitter and I see him backing Tommy Reese and mocking Irish fans for wanting him fired. He's made comments about that. It just felt like when things were going bad, 
There was nothing wrong with Tommy, and it was all Drew Pine's fault. It just felt weird. And again, maybe I know too much about Dan posting on Twitter, loving Tommy Reese, but that's why I took it the wrong way. If I didn't know that was said on Twitter by Dan about Tommy, I'm probably still a little frustrated by the comment, but probably not to this extent. I I just thought that's a really good broadcaster that made a mistake, and I hope he acknowledges that at some point. I will bring aboard Tyler Horka from Blue and Gold Illustrated. He was at the game in Baltimore in a couple of moments. More conversation on Notre Dame taking down Navy 35-32 next on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Highlight reel won by Williams. Down the sideline, Williams. Chased by Gamble. 20, 10, what a run. Touchdown. Spectacular run. Here's the fake. Meyer looking. Meyer finding the other tight end. Irv Smith touchdown. Five by rocket touchdown. Irish. Here's your host, Darren Pritchett. Sportspeak continues on 960 AM WSBT. I'm joined by Tyler Horka, Notre Dame football beat reporter at Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. He was in Baltimore covering Saturday's Notre Dame win over Navy, 35-32. You can check out his work as well as all of the colleagues he has at Blue and Gold Illustrated on the website, blueandgold.com. Of course, Tyler also is my co-host on Game Day Sports Speed, powered by Michelob Ultra. We're on the air at 11 a.m. for the Boston College game on Saturday. Well, there is a great benefit, Tyler, of being at the game when the Irish are on the road. You had the opportunity to watch that game from the press box. You had a great vantage point in the press box at the home of the Baltimore Ravens. And you can see things that we necessarily always can't see on television. And what I'm pointing to is some of the routes run by the offenses. Once they leave the screen, we are kind of at the mercy of getting replays, and you don't always get that. Now, ABC gave us some good replays from behind the quarterback, so you could see a couple of times there were a lot of routes going deep down the field in the second half with pressure coming to Drew Pine, and I thought Drew didn't have an outlet to throw the ball a couple of times in those situations. That's just me watching the replays on ABC. You were at the game. I would just like to get your perspective on the way Notre Dame tried to attack that zero pressure, which leads to a lot of man-on-man coverage all over the field. Well, here's the issue. We're talking about zero pressure, and you're talking about wide receivers leaving the frame of the television screen. If that's the case, that doesn't really – those two things don't go hand-in-hand hand from an offensive perspective because at that point you've got nobody to throw the ball to in the flats, short routes, all of those things, and that's what you need to do to beat cover zero <clears throat> blitzes because, I, I mean, the, the easiest thing a quarterback can do right, is throw the ball to the blitzing side. Right? You, you learn that yes. in peewee football. If a guy is coming right at you from your right and he's leaving whoever, whether it be a tight end, maybe a running back leaks out there, or even a wide receiver, you throw it to that side because all of a sudden, yeah, you've got more guys than you can block coming at you, but you're going to have an advantage somewhere else. I mean, that's math. There's 11 guys on the field for each side, and there just wasn't any of that for Notre Dame. A lot of routes being run deep. I've seen it over and over again, and this is 
been an issue even when Notre Dame isn't facing a cover zero blitz because let's go back to a couple weeks ago versus Syracuse. What was the bugaboo then? It was rush three, drop eight, and Notre Dame is still running these deep routes. Well, you got a lot of defensive backs and linebackers back there when you're rushing three and dropping eight, and Drew Pine had nobody to throw to then, and you saw it wasn't necessarily the sacks versus Syracuse, but he had to get out on the edge. He got he did get sacked one time against Syracuse when he was flushed to his left. He's not been very good when he's running to his left this year. That was an instance of that. So this was kind of the 180 of the Syracuse game where Navy said, we're just going to send everybody at him. We'll see if they can block him. We'll see if he can hit somebody downfield. And that was the issue. Notre Dame was running all these routes long. Drew Pine had nobody to throw to. He needs outlets. And, and this is the thing that Marcus Freeman said after the game. He said it today. And I actually agree with him that it wasn't all – on the quarterback, there was a lot of issues with, with these sacks. The five sacks that we saw from Navy in the second half, it was, okay, yes, Drew Pine did have a couple of places to throw it a few times, and he didn't do it. Okay, Logan's Diggs flat out missed a guy. I think Michael Mayer missed a block. I yes. mean, these are things that you have to you have to do, be doing in the in the 10th game of the season, and these guys were just missing assignments. And, and then – the last part of that is, yeah, Tommy Reese needs to dial up some different route concepts because, like I said, over and over again throughout the year, Notre Dame, they're running these routes that are should theoretically be open when you have solid protection and you have three to four seconds to pass the ball. Well, Drew Pine didn't have three to four seconds against Navy because he had six or seven, maybe even eight guys in his face at times. And it was a very ugly second half for the Notre Dame offense. Now, I know Coach Freeman says it's not on – Pine all, you know, for everything, and he didn't have a problem with play calling, so we're kind of looking for answers because there doesn't seem to be yeah. a way to point a finger at anyone, by the way, the head coach is talking about the second half. But I'll just say this. It was a full effort on offense to have 20 plays for 12 yards, and I just talked about this a couple of moments ago, and I'm glad you pointed out some things in your opening statement there because I was – very critical of Dan Orlovsky on the program a moment ago. I don't like him saying, quote, Drew Pine doesn't know what he's doing, end quote, when it's not all on Drew Pine. For a guy who played the position at a high level, who I think is a great analyst, I know he's a big fan of Tommy Reese, and maybe that blinded him a little bit, but people listen to him, and people walk away from that game, the expert on the broadcast saying Drew Pine doesn't know what he's doing. I just thought that was very unfair to Drew. Hey, he has his deficiencies. He missed a touchdown to Mayer. Could he have thrown the ball quicker a couple of times? You better believe it. He was not perfect, but I thought Orlovsky put it all on Pine, which was unfair. Hey, let's not forget that we're also talking about a guy who threw four touchdown passes and ran for another, and Notre Dame doesn't win that football game without all five of those scores. And I know – you can look at the first half and second half as different entities and you should because one was great. The other was flat out awful and Drew Pine had a hand in it being awful, but there's no way all of the blame should have been pinned on him to say that he did not know what he was doing. That just doesn't, you don't go from one quarter looking like a guy who should be your starting quarterback in 2023 to the, the next half where it looks like you shouldn't be playing on a college football field. There are a lot of moving parts that go into that. It's not like Drew Pine went into the locker room and chugged a fifth of vodka or something and came out a totally different guy. I can assure you that did not happen. 
so yes, the the blame should not be all pinned on him. And anybody who is still on Monday, 48 hours removed from this thing, pinning it all on Drew Pine, and there are people on Twitter, there are people on the blueandgold.com message board who are certainly doing that. I advise you to go rewatch the game. My, my colleague Patrick Engel did. Go look at his article at blueandgold.com from this morning. He pointed out the plethora of issues that plagued the Notre Dame offense in that second half. And I guarantee you, not every single one of those paragraphs and sentences said Drew Pine is at fault here. Yeah. There were a lot of things that went into it, and it wasn't all his fault. And that's why I brought up people hear that comment on TV. It's on national TV. It must be true. And they base their opinions mm-hmm. on that, which I thought was unfair. Let's move on. Are you concerned there's a carryover over the next two games? Is a blueprint now out there to slow down this fighting Irish offense? I don't think so. And I think that's a narrative that people have kind of taken to run with because I said that a little bit earlier. What was the blueprint after the Syracuse game? Rush three, drop eight. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, these are just things that work for different teams throughout football games. That happens. There's going to be a something in a game that, that works, and a team sticks with that. For Navy, and that's kind of their MO all the time, it was bring pressure at the quarterback. We don't have the athletes to stay with some of these receivers. You saw Jaden Thomas make a play. You saw Braden Lindsey make a spectacular catch. Navy was totally outmanned, outmuscled in the secondary. So they said, hey, we're going to try to not necessarily beat Notre Dame at its own game, but we're, we're going to try to you know, make their game murky and go at them at the point of attack. And that's what they did. I, I'm not sure other teams want to get into that kind of battle, especially now that it's kind of out there. I mean, Tommy Reese, 48 hours later, I guarantee you he spent every waking one thinking about how to beat blitzes like this. And it's one thing to do it. You wish you would have saw it for Tommy Reese throughout the course of the game and him adjusting a little bit and not just sticking with the vanilla blueprint of an offense that he has and say, okay, we need to do some things differently. Let's, let's put a guy here. Let's put a guy there. Make sure Drew has somebody to throw to. You didn't really see that throughout the game, but I guarantee you going into Boston College, if Boston College wants to rush six or seven, there's going to be somebody leaking out there and Drew Pine's going to get the ball out there. So I don't think this was something that teams are just going and look, we only have three games left anyway. So if it took this long to, to figure it out, then I'm really perplexed as to why it wasn't happening all season. So I don't think it's going to be something that Notre Dame necessarily has to worry about throughout the entire course of games, but they're going to see it a little bit, but I just think Tommy Reese is going to be more prepared for it. Tyler Horka, Notre Dame football beat reporter, Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. My guest here on Budweiser's weekday sports beat on WSBT radio. The Navy game is always tricky, at least in my opinion, Tyler, because this is the one time the defense faces something that's just totally different than the other opponents. Now, they face Navy every year, but the triple option attack is its own special way of, of moving the football. And Notre Dame has had issues through the year, even though they play Navy each and every year. You take a look at the final numbers. They ran for 255 yards, which is about 20 yards over what they average going into the ball game, 5.5 yards per carry. They threw it 13 times, completed six, which is good for them. I mean, that's 106 yards and two touchdowns, so they threw it pretty well. Is this a failure by the Notre Dame defense? Is this just one of those situations that the chess match that Navy won them 
in the second half when Notre Dame put out the prevent defense. They ran the ball when they put their triple option defense out there. Navy threw the ball. Did they just win the X's and O's, or should we ultimately be disappointed in what we saw on Saturday? I think you've got to be a little bit disappointed just because I don't know if I would say the whole thing was a failure defensively, but there were some failed plays. I mean, those fullback dives that went for 50 yards and maybe another one went for 39 yards or something like that, those are failures on those specific plays because there's no reason a fullback should be going straight through the line of scrimmage through an A-gap and taking it 50 yards down the field, and that happened a couple times. And then I, I just think in the second half, it's another one of those things where your offense literally cannot stay on the field. It was three and out after three and out. And then the defense comes back on the field to face an offense that is designed to stay on the field and sustain these long drives. And that'll wear on you. I don't care how many Matt Bayless workouts you go through. <laughs> that's going to be pretty, that's going to be pretty tough in the third and fourth quarter of a football game to, to play that many snaps. And this was another, another game where Notre Dame, Lost the time of possession. We haven't seen it a whole lot this year, but when that does happen, the defense tends to have some lapses in the second half, and, and obviously we saw that. So it, it, you kind of prefaced it perfectly with just saying that this is it's a tough assignment. Uh, it, they threw it a little bit more than some people maybe would have thought. Now, of course, they're losing in the second half, and they have to throw it, and that quarterback that comes in, technically their third-string quarterback, he's got a better arm than yeah. the, the first two guys on the depth chart. So... We weren't surprised to see them pass it a little bit when he came in. And Notre Dame's in a prevent defense, like you said. So at that point, you're going to complete some short stuff and be able to, to move the chains a little bit. So the, the game just kind of got funky. I don't know if I would say the defense totally failed, but they had some lapses. And if they don't have those lapses, maybe they're able to shut it down a little bit better in the second half. But it's just kind of one of those, it is what it is, uh, games and I will say if the, if the offense was able to muster anything in the second yes. half uh, a score three points ten points the game looks totally different I don't think Navy's in a position to where it goes for two on two different touchdown drives and does all these other things to try to get the ball back and, and keep scoring if Notre Dame puts an end to that early and gets up 40 to 13 or whatever it was mm-hmm. At that at that point, Navy's like, well, th- let's just get this thing in the locker room, and they let them hang around, and, and that's what happens in games like that. Tyler, I guess the position switch for Xavier Watts is working out pretty well. Seven solo tackles tied for the team lead with eight tackles in that ball game against Navy, including a tackle for loss. Yeah, he was seeing things really well. That was another one of those examples where it, it pays off to be able to watch this from – the press box, because you can key in on guys like that who may be out of the screen. He's a safety, obviously, so he, he's pretty far back there in the defensive backfield. And just the way he's able to move up on guys who have the football, he, his vision is really good, I think. And maybe that helps, he, given that he's a little bit of a two-way player and can play some wide receiver. He knows what he's looking for from these offensive skill players. He just closes gaps really well, fills gaps, gets to rushing lanes, uh, gets to the edge very well. If there's a guy coming around that corner, you, you bet Xavier Watts is there and he's ready to lay a hit on him. So I think this is a testament to really both coaching staffs in 2021 and 2022 because early in the year last year, Xavier Watts, he, everybody still thought he was going to be a wide receiver. And, and it was Brian, Brian Kelly and that staff who said, no, we've moved him over there and we think we're going to keep him over there. And, and then this year, 
obviously they had a little bit of the same thing when wide receiver numbers got low. It turned out he only spent maybe two or three practices one week at the most at wide receiver in camp after the Avery Davis injury. And Marcus Freeman, Al Golden said, now we like what he's doing at safety. Xavier Watts told us himself that he sees himself as a defensive football player because he likes to hit people. And he's pretty dang good at it, as you mentioned. Hmm. How about just a quick thought as we turn the page now to Boston College, believe it or not, the final home game of 2022 for the Fighting Irish. An auspicious start to the home schedule, losing to Marshall, ultimately losing to Stanford. But now, once again, Notre Dame a huge favorite at home, and that hasn't always turned out well this year. They're 0-5 against the number when they are a double-digit favorite this year and 3-2 and overall. So I guess anything's possible, and BC's got to have a little confidence coming into this game. They do. Just knocked off NC State 21-20, to and sometimes that's what happens when you go to a backup quarterback, and I think that's going to be the case this week. I'm not sure I wasn't keyed in on Jeff Halfley. He might even be speaking tomorrow, but Phil Dracovic, obviously the, the former Notre Dame signee, started the first – what seven eight games for them this season got injured they've turned to a redshirt freshman and Emmett Moorhead who Marcus Freeman talked about today and said man that that kid's got something he's a bit of a gamer played really well against Duke in his first start a couple weeks ago lost by a touchdown because Boston College's defense didn't play a whole lot of it that day but he was good again against NC State so they got a little bit of momentum going this is one of those teams that's yeah it's a losing team with the three and seven record but at some point, when you start the season with so many losses, you say, well, I'm either going to choose to finish this thing out and keep playing as hard as I can, or I'm going to give up. It goes either way sometimes. It's, it feels like this Boston College team is still kind of kept it together and is playing hard, and they would like nothing more than to beat Notre Dame in the regular season home finale for Notre Dame. So it's an interesting game, especially if they catch Notre Dame looking ahead to that team that plays in Los Angeles. So tricky spot on the schedule. <laughs> losing team that has some momentum and like you said Darren you you cannot let your guard down if you're Notre Dame because you've done that a couple times this season and it hasn't ended too well interesting week at blueandgold.com still recapping the Navy game looking ahead to BC speculation the Irish might have the chance to add a 2023 four-star quarterback all the details right now one spot at blueandgold.com yeah, speculation sells, and <laughs> there's, some, there, there's some stuff going on with that. Mike Singer has it all covered for you guys if you go to blueandgold.com. Notre Dame women's basketball recruiting is also very hot right now. Cassandra Prosper, a five-star out of Canada, committed on Saturday. If you missed that, after Notre Dame beat Navy, Notre Dame is in the running to get another five-star. Tomorrow, Hannah Hidalgo, the number five player in the class of 2023, so I'll have that covered one way or the other, whether the Irish get it or not. And then, like you said, football, we got two games left in the regular season, so there's just so much going on at blueandgold.com. We cover Notre Dame athletics like nobody else, and it's only $10 from now through the beginning of the 2023 football season. So great deal, great coverage. It's the place to be. Very good. He is Tyler Horka, Notre Dame football beat reporter, Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. He'll join me for game day Saturday morning at 11 a.m. live from Notre Dame Stadium. Hopefully the snow will be gone by then. Tyler, thanks for the visit. Greatly appreciate it. We'll talk to you Saturday. Yeah, I'm going to bring a jacket or two for that game for sure. (laughs) We'll turn the heat up extra in our booth. How about that? 
Good. All right. We'll talk to you then. All right. See you, Darren. That's Tyler Horka, Notre Dame football beat reporter at Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. It is seven minutes in front of six o'clock. Great to have you on board. Budweiser's weekday sports beat here on WSBT Radio, brought to you in part by Budweiser, the king of beers, locally distributed by United Beverage Company of South Bend. Football fans, this Bud's for you. By Barnaby's of Mishawaka and Granger, now with three locations to serve you. Their newest location on Lincoln Way in the Twin Branch area is now open for carryouts. Barnaby's, the family inn. By South Bend Orthopedics, team physician for the University of Notre Dame since 1949. By the Food Bank of Northern Indiana, hunger is a story we can end. Find out how at feedindiana.org. By the Mishawaka Education Foundation, granting a better future. Legacy Heating and Air, a Cook family business. Four Winds Casinos, your entertainment escape must be 21 years old. Please play responsibly. By Pet Refuge, urging you to adopt, don't shop, or new beginnings have happy endings. Tim Growl, State Farm Insurance, for surprisingly great rates that fit anyone's budget. Call Tim at 574-232-9981. And by Midland Engineering Company, beginning their second century of quality roofing experience. We will hand out some game balls in just a little bit. We've got a sports update on the way. And also we'll talk a little Irish defense, sports wagering at the end of the program. All coming up on your home of the Fighting Irish Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Pfizer's weekday sports beat on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Wesley off balance shot, no good. Atkinson put back. It's good. That's it. Happy St. Patrick's Day. Notre Dame in double overtime. Here's your host, Darren Pritchett. Happy St. Patrick's Day, baby. Six minutes after six o'clock, hour number two, Budweiser's weekday sports beat on your home of the Fighting Irish Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Notre Dame basketball team 2 0. They turn back a stern test from Youngstown State yesterday afternoon here on WSBT Radio. The Irish beat the Penguins 88 to 81. The Irish led by seven at halftime and shot 57% from the field in the second half. They actually cooled off from 63% in the first half. Overall, the Irish shot 60%. Youngstown State 50%. Balanced scoring attack for Notre Dame. Dane Goodwin, 20 points to lead the Fighting Irish. Also had seven rebounds and three assists. J.J. Starling, the freshman, had 17 points at three of four three-point shots. Trey Wirtz had another really good performance with 15 points and three assists. Cormac Ryan had 13 points. Nate Lashevsky a double-double, 14 points and 10 rebounds. The Irish played the freshman big guy, Vin Allen Lubin, for 23 minutes in the ballgame. He scored nine points, four rebounds. Matt Zona played a couple of minutes, but again, mainly a six-man rotation right now for Notre Dame until they get transfer guard Marcus Hammond back, who suffered an MCL injury last week. Hopefully he'll return sometime this week. But the Irish got it done as they beat Youngstown State in an offensive-minded game, 88-81. Not many answers for old Adrian Nelson of Youngstown State. 27 points on 12 of 18 shooting. He also had 10 rebounds for YSU. 
So the Fighting Irish basketball team will play a really good Southern Indiana team at 8 o'clock on Wednesday. Hear the game right here on WSBT Radio. Pre-game coverage will get started at 7.30. One question, five answers. This is the My Five Questions of the Day on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. All right, today's My Five. Let's hand out some game balls from the Notre Dame victory over Navy on Saturday, 35-32. to 32. Ladies and gentlemen, this is number five. Starting off with Notre Dame defensive player, linebacker Marist Leofau. He tied for the team lead on Saturday with eight tackles. Also got a half a sack. As Notre Dame picked up one sack in the ballgame against that triple option attack of the United States Naval Academy. Had that face masking call in the third quarter that kind of kept Navy rolling. But Leofau had a really solid game with eight tackles for the Irish defense. Four. Next up at number four is fighting Irish quarterback Drew Pine. Yeah, I know it was a tale of two different halves. But altogether, Pine 17 of 21 for 269 yards, four touchdowns. He was picked off one time and also had a rushing rushing touchdown in the first half for the Fighting Irish. Again, got a lot of criticism on the ABC broadcast. Wasn't perfect in the game, but that was a team effort on offense in the second half to record 12 yards on 20 plays. Don't just look at the quarterback. Another game ball from Saturday goes to a guy I asked Tyler Hork about a couple of moments ago, the former receiver, now safety, Xavier Watts. What an impact he had on the ball game. He tied for the team lead with eight tackles, but he topped the team with seven solo tackles and also recorded a tackle for loss in the ball game. Not bad for a former wide receiver. Number two. Coming in at number two, that game ball goes to Braden Lindsey. He had the catch of the weekend until Justin Jefferson of the Minnesota Vikings stole his thunder with one of the greatest catches you will see anywhere in that game against Buffalo. But Lindsey on a deep ball. The ball was a little underthrown, to be honest. But Lindsey, looking back at the football, was able to readjust. And with one hand, he sort of kept the football under his control using his hand and the defender's back and then kind of whipped the ball around with one hand like, yeah, I caught it. Spectacular catch. No doubt the catch of the year for the Fighting Irish football team. And good for Braden Lindsay. Probably the numbers aren't there that he was expecting. But in this game, Lindsay led the Fighting Irish with five catches. He was second on the team in receiving yards with 67 and had one heck of a spectacular one-handed touchdown catch on a ball that was underthrown. Number one. And the ultimate game ball from Notre Dame's 35-32 win over Navy. Let's give it to linebacker Jack Kaiser. Got a little dinged up in that game, an ankle injury. Marcus Freeman said Kaiser did not practice yesterday, but he is expecting Kaiser to practice once again tomorrow against Navy. 
Kaiser tied Leofau and Watts for the team lead with eight tackles. Kaiser had four solos in the ball game, and oh yeah, he kept the streak alive. A blocked punt by Kaiser as he got his right hand on the football, deflecting the ball. Five straight games for the Notre Dame special teams unit with a punt block. That's just insane good. And they lead the country with seven overall. Jack Kaiser gets my ultimate game ball as Notre Dame improves to 7-3. They won seven of their last eight as they defeated Navy 35-32. Can we have a redo in that Stanford game? It should be eight consecutive games, but the game was played. They lost this time around. I mean, if the game is played 10 times, don't the Irish win nine times? And the one time Stanford was going to win was the game that actually happened. That's why they play the game, I guess. But Notre Dame is 7-3. They're a 19-point favorite at home against Boston College this Saturday. That should get them to 8-3 if all goes well. And then you got a big matchup with USC. They could be playing for a playoff spot. They've got to play UCLA and then the Fighting Irish at the Coliseum. What will the spread be for Notre Dame USC? I'm betting, I'm just going to take a wild guess. I'll say USC will be favored by six and a half. That's my guess at this point. Let's see how the two teams play this week against rivals Notre Dame, Boston College, USC, UCLA, and Pasadena at the Rose Bowl. Probably going to be a lot of Trojan fans in that building for that contest. UCLA crowds have been a little quiet this year. That's the My 5 question of the day. Five game balls from the Irish win over Navy. Hey, beginning at 8.30 this Friday morning, you can purchase two $25 gift certificates to Mishawaka and Granger Barnabies for just $25. That's buy one, get one free to this week's Restaurant of the Week, Mishawaka and Granger Barnaby's, now with three locations open to serve you at the corner of Grape and Edison, at the intersection of Capitol and Cleveland, and now open for carryout pizza orders. It's Barnaby's of Twin Branch on Lincoln Way East, just west of Bittersweet, with dine-in service coming very, very soon. Come enjoy Barnaby's in Mishawaka and Granger, this week's Restaurant of the Week, thanking you for your patience and your continued support. And be a part of our giveaway, 8.30 Friday morning. You can purchase two $25 gift certificates for just $25. And the website is not listed on my script, but I believe it's restaurantoftheweek.com if memory serves me correctly. 6.14 is our time. More Fighting Irish football coverage coming up on your home of the Fighting Irish Sports Radio 960 WSBT. In 1922, we began broadcasting under the call letters WGAZ, the world's greatest automotive zone. Now, we're your home for the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame and the best sports talk in South Bend. Sports Radio 960 AM, WSBT. Celebrating 100 years of broadcasting in 2022.
619 at Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Monday Night Football coming up in about 70 minutes from Westwood One. The Washington Commanders and the Philadelphia Eagles in an NFC East matchup. Darren Pritchett with you. Budweiser's weekday sports beat continues. It's a victory Monday. Notre Dame held on for dear life to beat Navy in Baltimore on Saturday. 35-32 after leading 35-13 to at halftime. Marcus Freeman met the media earlier today. His press conference was live at noon right here on WSBT Radio. And here's how Coach kind of summed up what was a wacky Saturday, a victorious Saturday, but a little bit of everything for fans watching Notre Dame take down Navy by three. Uh, I'm extremely proud of the, the team, the coaching staff, for for a hard-fought win and finding a way to win. And um, we knew going into that game it wasn't going to be easy. We knew it wasn't, um, you know, but we found a way to get it done, and, and that's what matters. And it's the tale of two halves, and I know we'll address it here in a little bit, but, you know, again, the positive ability to score 35 points against that defense that's um, unorthodox at times. And, uh, you know, another block punt was huge for us. Um, you know, the second half execution wasn't uh, where we would liked it to be, obviously. Um, but mm-hmm. the lessons you can learn um, in the, the situations that occurred in that second half um, are, are priceless. They're valuable. And, uh, you know, the ability to learn from a win is, is something that as a coach you love to be able to do. And so uh, it was it was really good to be able to address some of those situations in the game that happened um, yesterday in the meeting and in practice and, uh, you know, continue to, to enjoy a, a victory Sunday. So Massive offensive performance for the Irish in the first half, second half, 20 plays, just 12 yards and no points. For the Fighting Irish defense, taking on the triple option attack of Navy, the midshipmen had a pretty good day running the football again, probably about 19 yards over their average on the year as they put together a 255-yard rushing day on 46 carries. They averaged 5.5 yards per carry and were able to score two rushing touchdowns, one by their fullback and one by their starting quarterback. That was offset by throwing it 13 times, completing six for 108 yards and two touchdowns. And Messiah Maynard came in four of seven, 51 yards and a touchdown, much better thrower of the football than their starting quarterback. So you think about Ty Levitai was their starter at the start of the year, injured a couple of weeks ago. They ended the game on their third-string quarterback and were an onside kick recovered away from having a chance to upset the Fighting Irish in Baltimore. But Matt Salerno got the job done, recovered the onside kick, and the game was over. So, again, you're not going to see the triple option again this year. It's always that specialty game for the Irish. Every once in a while they'll have Army and Navy on the same schedule. That happened about 10 years ago when Navy ran over Notre Dame. I think it was in Baltimore, and then later on that year, they made some adjustments, and Army was pretty much stymied down in San Antonio. So 255 rushing yards for Navy. Here's Marcus Freeman's thoughts on the Notre Dame run defense. Yeah, I think, you know, you're up 35 to 14 at halftime, and and you kind of say, hey, let's, you know, be smart in the second half. And coming out, we started really well, and they got the fourth and one, I think the P.I. or – 
we stopped them right there. And they got a PI, I think, on the fourth and one. And then it kind of bled throughout the series and led to three points. And uh, second series went three and out. Third series was the TD pass on Mickey. You know, I think towards the end of the second half, we got into a little bit of just prevent. Um, we weren't playing our normal trip option defense. When that quarterback went down, we knew the backup quarterback was more of a thrower. So we kind of went into our prevent defense and they just said, okay, we're going to run the ball. And so um, it's a little bit of a chess match. Like we're looking at the clock and saying, okay, let's keep the ball in front of us. Um, and they're saying, okay, we'll run it if you're in prevent. And so uh, they still found a way to score and, and we, we recovered the onside kick and that ended the game. So a little bit of a chess match again. You don't want to be able to just let teams run down the field. But at that moment, you're up 10, I think 10 or 11 points. And you say, okay, we know it's a two-score game. And so let's be smart, not give up an easy big play pass and make them earn every inch and keep the clock because they were out of timeout. So that's kind of what happened. Maybe I'm in the minority here. I don't put as much on the defense in this game. Hey, let's be really honest here. There have been good portions of the season with the passing game still trying to work itself out. The defense has come through for this football team, helping them to get to where they are right now at 7-3. and three. I'm not dismissing what was a frustrating second half, both offense and defense, but the offense puts up 35 in the first half. If they put up 10 points in the second half, the intensity level of the comeback would not have been as great for the Navy football team. So I don't think it's just pointing a finger at the defense or the offense. Hey, it was just one of those second halves where they did not play their best. Yeah, the defense got dinged. There was that chess match that was ongoing in the ball game, and Navy seemed to have that next move ready for the Fighting Irish. But, I mean, to put up the numbers you did in the first half offensively, then to have 12 yards in the second half, no points, it's almost unthinkable. And again, put up 10 points on offense, maybe kick two field goals, the game's going to feel a whole lot different. Credit to Navy. We know this. We've learned this through the years. This isn't a bold statement. This is one football team. No matter the situation, they don't quit. They keep coming at you. They had every reason to be like, eh, 35-13, we can't stop them. We can't get our offense going. Ball game over. Let's go have some crab legs or whatever. They didn't. They came out, played a heck of a second half, and had Notre Dame on their heels. Credit to them for doing that. But, again, not a surprise. It's Navy doing Navy things. All right, a little breaking news involving the Notre Dame football team and Notre Dame football recruiting this afternoon. We'll recap that story coming up in a couple of moments. Also, we've got two Twitter questions of the day, results to pass along to you, and a brand-new question. All coming up as Budweiser's weekday sports beat continues. It is 626 on your home of the Fighting Irish, Sports Radio 960 WSBT. can listen to Budweiser's weekday sports beat live or on demand with our free WSBT radio app. Just search WSBT radio in the app store and Google play. Now back to local sports talk on sports beat with your host, Darren Pritchett. Great to have you with me on this Monday evening. We've got a look inside of Mishawaka high school athletics with caveman corner at the top of the hour Monday night football at 7.30 from Westwood One. The Washington Commanders 
visiting the Philadelphia Eagles. And that game is front and center in our We Going to Sizzler sports wagering segment, which is coming up in our next segment. Let's do a quick reset beyond the Notre Dame Hold on for dear life, 35-32 win over Navy in Baltimore on Saturday. Here are other things we're focusing on with tonight's program. First off, Notre Dame football recruiting news. Kevin Minchie, he is a four-star quarterback in the class of 2023. Earlier this afternoon on social media, he decommitted from the Pittsburgh Panthers. The anticipation is that Minchie, according to On3.com, which is associated with Blue and Gold Illustrated and their recruiting insider, Mike Singer, that Kevin Minchie will be in South Bend visiting Notre Dame for the Boston College-Notre Dame game. This is significant, as you probably already know. The class of 2023 for Notre Dame has some great prospects in it, but no quarterback. That could change if Minchie picks the Fighting Irish. Now, Kevin Minchie is 6'1", 200 pounds. He is from Hendersonville, Tennessee. He is from the same high school as former Irish wide receiver Golden Tate. He's been a commitment for Pittsburgh for some time. Tennessee offered him during the process. We know about their offense in Knoxville. Notre Dame jumped in on Kevin Minchie. They offered him on July 30th. Now, he took an unofficial visit to Notre Dame on August the 6th, so he has some familiarity with the University of Notre Dame. Now, he is decommitted from Pittsburgh. He has not said anything further, but again, according to On3.com, they're anticipating Menchie being here this weekend and that ultimately Menchie will verbally commit to the Fighting Irish some point in this recruiting cycle, there are a few weeks left before National Signing Day, so there is now a chance Notre Dame will have a quarterback in their class of 2023. According to his profile at on3.com, 40-yard dash, 4.78. I read that their analysis was he's not going to overwhelm you with his athleticism. He can step up in the pocket. He's got a good, strong arm. It's not like he's going to rush for 100 yards in a game, at least at this point in his career. It doesn't look like he would be that type of guy. And it's worth noting that Pittsburgh Sports Now earlier this year said that Minchie had planned on early enrolling to Pittsburgh. Well, if he's going to early enroll at Pittsburgh, you would have to imagine if he picks Notre Dame, he will also early enroll at Notre Dame, which means he would be going to school in January. He would be a part of spring practice. As we all know, the quarterback competition is going to be pretty wide open. As you've got Drew Pine, who has started most of this season after Tyler Buckner went down with an injury. Both of those guys, unless something changes, will be back. This doesn't prevent you from bringing in a grad transfer to offer more competition. You would have to assume Minchie being a freshman. It's going to take him a little time to get accustomed to this offense. You just can't expect him to come in and win the job. And with the grad transfer possibility, that might be your starting quarterback unless Buckner or Pine do some really good things in the spring and the fall to kind of change the momentum of where they are right now, at least from the outside the Goog standpoint, like you or I talking about those two quarterbacks. So we'll keep an eye on it, but Kevin Minchie, four-star quarterback, class of 2023, decommitted from
from Pittsburgh today. I'll bet you Pat Narduzzi is in a great mood. And he might be coming to South Bend this weekend and ultimately might join the class of 2023. That would be important news. Of course, the Irish already have their 2024 quarterback in the four-star from Michigan, C.J. Carr. For more on this developing story, make sure you check out my colleagues at Blue and Gold Illustrated, the website blueandgold.com, and we'll get some firsthand analysis on this Menchie story tomorrow. Mike Singer, the Notre Dame football recruiting insider, Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. He'll join me for our regular Tuesday visit here on WSBT Radio. This is the Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat Twitter question of the day from Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Well, let's go back to Friday's program for a moment. Our Twitter question of the day posted on my Twitter account at 960 Sportsbeat. What outright wagering combination do you believe will play out for the Notre Dame-Navy game? Your three choices were Notre Dame wins and Notre Dame covers, Notre Dame wins but Navy covers, or Navy pulls off the upset victory. Now the spread at the time of this Twitter question was Notre Dame favored by 15. Third place in the voting, 4.9% believed that Navy was going to pull off the upset. They were an onside kick away from maybe having a chance to steal that game, but Salerno recovered that onside kick, ending the game. Irish win 35-32. Second place in the voting ended up being the correct answer. Notre Dame wins, but Navy covers the 15 points. That got 34.4% of the vote. I would have voted for that, by the way. But winning the vote, but not the correct answer. Notre Dame wins, and Notre Dame covers the 15 points. It was looking good at halftime. 60.7% went that direction. But ultimately, Notre Dame won the game. Navy covered the 15 points, losing by just three. We thank you for voting. Then after the wild second half of the Notre Dame-Navy game, I posted this question on Twitter, kind of one of those instant reaction Twitter questions. What is your reaction to Notre Dame hanging on to beat Navy 35-32? You had two choices. A win is a win or a win, but it's disappointing. 73.1% who voted on my Twitter account at 960 Sportsbeat said it's a win, but that's a disappointing way to win the football game when you're up 35-13 at halftime and have to hold on to win 35-32 against a three-win football team that lost to Delaware earlier this year. 26.9% voted for, you know what? A win is a win is a win. Forget about all the rest. We'll just take the victory. We've got a brand new question for you today. This was debated by me in the opening segment of the program. So let's offer you a chance to respond. In Saturday's ball game on ABC, TV broadcaster Dan Orlovsky said that Irish quarterback Drew Pine in facing zero coverage, quote, he doesn't know what he is doing, end quote. The question is this, are you okay with that type of Harsh criticism, almost like you hear in NFL games, but not in college games. Are you okay with that type of criticism of a student athlete? The three choices today, 
Yes, you're okay with that criticism if it is deserved. Choice number two, no, that's a little too critical of a student athlete. Or choice number three, no, I'm not okay with the criticism because it's not all Drew Pine's fault. I would love for you to vote on this particular question. We've had a good response so far today. Keep voting, folks. You can check out my Twitter question of the day, weekdays at 960-SPORTSBEAT, and we will pass along the results of today's question on tomorrow's program. Looking forward to hearing what you have to say. Some people have responded on Twitter, and I love to get your responses, love to get the feedback. We have conversations about your thoughts, so please feel free to reply to that Twitter question of the day and offer your thoughts on this particular subject. All right, here's what we have coming up. We've got our sports wagering segment, We Going to Sizzler, on the way in the next segment. We'll take a look at some possibilities for the Monday night football game tonight, including do you go Eagles minus 11 or do you take the 11 points and go with the visiting commanders? Plus, we have to pick a strange college basketball game tonight. We'll explain coming up in a couple of moments. Budweiser's weekday sports beat on your home of the Fighting Irish. Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Show me the money. We go with Sizzler. We go with Sizzler. Budweiser's weekday sports beat live on 960 AM WSBT, streaming live at WSBTradio.com and on our free WSBT radio app. My name is Darren Pritchett, and welcome to our final segment for this Monday. It's our sports wagering segment called We Going to Sizzler. On Monday's program, seven selections came your way. Unfortunately, I went just two and five. I hit Michigan hockey on the money line against Notre Dame. The Wolverines won on Friday, five to one. I also won the over in the Notre Dame Navy game. The over-under was 39 and a half, and that hit as the two teams combined for, I think we'd all agree, a surprising 67 points. I had the game in my prediction at 44 points, so I really wasn't even close to the actual total, but I was on the right side of the over. The most disappointing losses from last Friday. Notre Dame was in great position to cover at halftime. The spread was 15, but then the collapse took place, and the Irish only won by three points. I decided to take Indiana and 40 points against Ohio State, and the Buckeyes won by 42 and the Cowboys had the Packers down by 14 in the fourth quarter at a two-team NFL parlay with the Cowboys and the 49ers winning but that Packer rally and winning in overtime cost me that two-team parlay so away we go it's a brand new week let's see if we can find some winners tonight we have a Monday night football game on WSBT radio as the undefeated Philadelphia Eagles are going to take on the Washington Commanders. And in this contest, the Eagles are favored by 11 points. That's a big number. We have seen so many double-digit favorites not cover this year. An interesting stat I came across today. Since 2003, double-digit favorites in a divisional game are 118 
143-9 and against the spread. That means the team that is the favorite by double digits is only winning 45% of the time. This is a rematch from earlier in the year, a game in which the Eagles won by 16. Carson Wentz was the quarterback for the Commanders that day. It's Taylor Heineke tonight in Philadelphia. I'm going to go ahead and go with the trend. I'm going to say the Commanders plus 11 at Philadelphia at minus 110. I'm going to hope that the Commanders can keep it close. I think Philadelphia wins this game and stays undefeated. But I'm going to hope with the way Washington has played lately, this will be a competitive football game. And all we need is the Commanders to lose by 10. Can you do that for me? So we'll go Commanders plus 11 at Philadelphia and play that trend since 2003. Double-digit favorites in a divisional game only cover the spread 45% of the time. Selection number two for tonight, also from the Monday night football game, Commanders and Eagles. The over-under is at 43 points. Earlier this year, the Eagles won 24-8 in D.C., 32 points scored. I am going to go ahead and go under 43 total points tonight because of that earlier game and the primetime games have been hitting under throughout the year at over a 60% clip. So Commanders, Eagles, under 43 total points. Since I'm taking the Commanders in those 11 points, I'm hoping for a tight game. And I'm hoping Washington doesn't fall way behind, which means they're going to have to throw a lot more, which leads me into this third suggestion. I'm going to say Commanders quarterback Taylor Heineke goes under 215 and a half passing yards at minus 110. I'll back that up by saying the Eagles have allowed more than 215 passing yards just one time this year. And they're ahead in all their games, but yet they're keeping the passing number down for the opposing quarterback. Also, Heineke has surpassed 215 passing yards one time. And that was recently against the Indianapolis Colts in a late rally win at Lucas Oil Stadium. So, based on that, let's go under 215 and a half passing yards for Taylor Heineke of Washington. And the fourth and final suggestion for tonight, this is just a tip of the cap to the basketball gods. These are two of the worst college basketball teams in the country, both in our vicinity, IUPUI, and Chicago State. They are actually playing a game tonight, which is huge. This might be one of the few wins the either one of these teams gets this year. So you got to put a little something on it, right? So why not? Let's go this route. Chicago State and IUPUI will score over 130 and a half total points at minus 110. Let's give it a shot. Let's have some fun with those two teams. And finally, my underdog pick for tonight. It's got to be a plus number. Let's go with Washington running back Brian Robinson. Over 50 rushing yards. I can get that at DraftKings Sportsbook at plus 170. So we'll go with Brian Robinson. Over 50 rushing yards at plus 170 as my underdog pick of the night. And by the way, I want to throw in this little tidbit as we think about Saturday's Notre Dame-Boston College game. How about this stat? Notre Dame, 19-point favorite against Boston College. Notre Dame this year as a favorite of a touchdown or more 
The Irish are 0-5 against the spread, only 3-2 straight up. Now, I'm not saying Boston College is going to win this game, but from the standpoint of Notre Dame covering, in this same spot five previous times, Notre Dame has failed to cover, including last Saturday's game in Baltimore in which the Irish were favored by 15 over Navy and one by three. So keep that in mind as you're thinking about Saturday's Notre Dame-Boston College game at Notre Dame Stadium. That's going to do it for we going to Sizzler for tonight. We have K-Men Corner coming up in a couple of moments here on WSBT Radio, a look inside of Mishawaka High School Athletics. And congratulations to Keith Kinder and the K-Men football team. What a fabulous year, 10-2. and two. They were up 21-0 in the regional against Fort Wayne Snyder on Saturday. Snyder came back and won 41-27. But, Coach, players, job well done. You represented your school and your city so well this year. So congratulations. And I think they're going to start turning the page toward the basketball season on Cavemen Corner tonight. And then we have Monday Night Football. Pre-game coverage from Westwood One starting at 7.30. Commanders at Eagles. Budweiser's weekday sports beat on WSBT Radio brought to you by our title sponsor, Budweiser, the king of beers, locally distributed by United Beverage Company of South Bend. Football fans, this Bud's for you. By Barnaby's of Mishawaka and Granger, now with three locations to serve you. Their newest location on Lincoln Way in the Twin Branch area is now open for carryouts. Barnaby's the Family Inn by South Bend Orthopedics, team physicians for the University of Notre Dame since 1949, by the Food Bank of Northern Indiana. Hunger is a story we can end. Find out how at feedindiana.org. By the Mishawaka Education Foundation, granting a better future. By Legacy Heating and Air, a Cook family business. By Four Winds Casinos, your entertainment escape. Must be 21 years old. Please play responsibly. By Pet Refuge, urging you to adopt, don't shop, or new beginnings have happy endings. Tim Grau State Farm Insurance for surprisingly great rates that fit anyone's budget. Call Tim at 574-232-9981. And by Midland Engineering Company, beginning their second century of quality roofing experience. Everyone, thanks for joining me. Have a great evening. We'll talk to you tomorrow at 5 on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today.